We see a guy mentoring another guy, walking beside him in the movie Courageous. And it speaks about police officers. And we're going to be talking about leadership today. And oftentimes there's a misconception about leadership. People say, oh, I don't need to listen to leadership because I'm not a guy. The Bible only talks about leadership with guys. That's false. That's false. God says this. If you are one of my followers, if you, if you are a follower of me, you are called to lead. Last week, we started a four-week sermon series called Living a Courageous Life. That is hot right here. If you want to maybe cut that out, maybe. Living a Courageous Life. Last week, we talked about this, that God has a courageous call on our life. And some of you were very kind. You came, you came up to me and you said, Matt, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I said, I told you that before I started the message that this sermon can change your life if you listened. And some of you that weren't here, you're going to think this. You're going to think, man, Matt, you're pretty cocky. You're only 35 years old. What makes you the best preacher? I'm not. The reason that it can change your life is because we use God's word. That's why it can change your life. Living a courageous call on your life, realizing that, hey, God's got a plan for me. Last, Last Sunday, we looked into a couple verses, some of my life verses that I shared with you, Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then some of you said, oh, I really, really got into the Jeremiah 29 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for hope and a future, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. But today we switch gears. And it's not just a call on our life, it's a call to lead in our life. And if you're a follower, or you're not a follower, or you're a first-time attender, or you're a connection veteran, let me tell you something. God has something in this for us today. I was studying this. I was telling somebody this morning, I said, I can't get out, of, get out of this. I've been studying so very, very hard, and I want to try to bring out these points in these movies. If you have a dad, know a dad, or neighbors to a dad, and they don't go to church anywhere, have them come back next week. We're going to, call about, we're going to talk about the courageous call to be the man. And we're not going to talk about Ric Flair, for those of you that like wrestling. You know, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. <laughs> Thank you. We have, we have some WWF fans. That's great. Many think that leading is only done by men, and I, can't, I cannot push this. That, it, that is not correct. It, spiritual leadership in the home is to be the man. That's what the Bible says. It also says this. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be a leader. And I'm going to share with you how other people have been leaders. We think that leadership, when we look at the Bible, is all about these superheroes. You know the superheroes I'm talking about. Jesus, Moses, Joshua, prophets like Jeremiah. These big, huge, superhero, iconic people that we can look back in Scripture and we can see. Will you ever lead armies like David? I doubt it. Will you lead millions of people across the, lead, the, the Red Sea like Moses? I doubt it. Will you write letters of influence and encouragement like Paul? Maybe, maybe not. How about this? Will you lead in situations where God wants you to stand up for Him no matter what? Oh, there's the application of leadership. Will you stand up for God no matter what? That gets sharp. It gets a little tough. Will you choose to teach younger people? I love this. This is is what we saw in the video. Will you choose to teach younger people about who God is and what He's done in your life? That's the calling of connection. That's 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 the builder. We put into people. We walk beside people in this life. We don't talk down to them. We walk beside them in life. Oh, good. You're, you, when you walked in the doors of the church this morning, guess what? You sat down to a whole bunch of broken people. We all have our issues. We're all messed up a little bit. And we're not perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, number one, it's not here. Number two, it doesn't exist. Ever. Will you choose to teach the younger ones? Will you do this courageously? Courageously means this. Will you do it when it's Easy, and will you do it when it's hard? 
Will you live a life that glorifies God? This morning we're talking about a man. You can, you can flip to the Old Testament if you'd like. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, but it's not going to be for a little bit. But if you want to go ahead and flip to the book of Joshua, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. I don't know very many places that start with leadership except Joshua chapter 1. Joshua had one of the greatest mentors that's ever been recorded in the history of ever. Moses. We're going to talk about that. But you know what? As much as we like... I asked, I asked several people this morning, and they thought that I was putting them on, on the spot, and I didn't take your answers, and we're not going to show them on the board. So whatever you said, it's okay. You know what you said. I know what you said. I'm not, I'm not going to share that. But I asked a couple people this question, and ask yourself this if I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Who do you think is the better leader, Moses or Joshua? Now, we don't have to answer out loud. Just in your mind. Moses or Joshua? Well, I don't know. He led millions across the Red Sea. However, on the other hand, Joshua led... People in and they conquer the promised land. And I don't know. This is, this is kind of a toss-up. I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I learned one thing in my studying of this sermon. One thing that sets them completely apart. And I want to share that with you later on. But Joshua wasn't always the leader. See, when we step into Joshua chapter 1, we see Joshua. I heard, I heard someone this morning say, oh, I did a study on the life of Joshua. What an unbelievable man. Yeah, I agree. What an awesome leader. But you know what? He didn't, he, he didn't come out of his mother's womb like that. Did you know that? He didn't come out a courageous person. He had to be taught. He was Moses' mentee. He grew up for 40 years. He was Moses' aide. 40 years. Think about that. 40 years. I thought mentoring with my former pastor for seven years was a long time. Forty years? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being Joshua? Dude, when are you going to cut me loose? Forty years! Joshua needed to be taught. He needed to be mentored. He needed to be confronted when he was wrong. He needed to be corrected. And Joshua, over those 40 years, could look back to see this. Joshua is only one of two people that are alive whenever this is written. One of two people that have seen this. One of two people that, have witnessed, that were witnesses to the crossing of the Red Sea. Him and Caleb. Caleb was also his buddy that was the spy. If you know, if you know the story of Joshua, I'm just going to get in real quick. Caleb and Joshua were sent to look at the promised land. Moses said, you guys go look. And he said, a group of spies, these are the only two, one, the only two ones out of, out of all of them, the only two guys to come back and say, our God can give us that land. The only two. And we see them here. They're witnesses. Listen, do you remember that time in your life where it was metaphorically like the Red Sea parting in your life? Maybe God saved your marriage. Maybe God healed you of an addiction that you had for years. Maybe God delivered you from pain or he's done something in your life. But in your life, that was like more astonishing than God parting back water in your life. You think, I could not get past this without God. See, Joshua and Caleb had had these experiences and they knew exactly what God can do. Oh, it's a sea. Remember that? Remember that story? Oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Here comes the Egyptians. We're all going to die. And the water parts. And the Israelites go across. They were witnesses to this. These are two words that you're going to hear a lot today and a lot the rest of this month. And you already heard them last week. Strong and courageous. You can't read the first chapter, the first part of the first chapter of Joshua without hearing strong and courageous. And those two words scare us. The first one, not so much. Because as a guy, oh yeah, got to be strong. If you're not strong, you're not a man. That's wrong. God says, I want you to be strong. I'm calling you to be strong. Yes, Joshua was the leader. Yes, he was probably physically strong. But do you know what else he was? He was spiritually solid. Solid. He would stand up for God. And he would lead courageously. Look at your, look at your worship handout. If you have your worship handout with you. Inside the first flap, this one right here. Go ahead and get down on the screen. You can fill in the blank on the middle one. It says, has God has called you to lead courageously. Now, I said strong and courageous, and I said, th- most guys like to be strong. I talked with some guys yesterday. Uh, one of these guys was really, he was a really big dude, and he said, yeah, I can, I can front squat with the bar here. Almost 400 pounds. That's insane. That's literally insane. But, but it was, ooh. And when he said that, do you know what the guys around him did? Oh, wow. Oh, I can't do that much. 
Oh, wow. And it was almost like he got moved up a level because he was strong. But the word courageous is where it gets a little bit sticky. God says, I want you to be strong and courageous, Joshua. He's talking to me today. He's talking to you today. And he says, listen, as a follower of me, I want you to lead courageously. Now, we don't like that because here's what happens. When it's easy to stand up for God, say you go to a church camp experience or you're at a conference. Oh, yes. Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You go back to work. That adversity hits you. You think, oh, no, 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 no. People get really weird when I start talking about Jesus. You know what I mean, don't you? My family just kind of wigs out when I'm around and they're talking about Jesus again. God says, I want you to live your everyday life and I want you to lead it courageously. We think that courageous leaders are the, only, are, are the ones that seek the limelight. Oh, oh man. Joshua, Moses, Paul, Jesus. Listen, you can study the original translation of their life and I can tell you something right now for absolute certain. Neither one of those four men had a cakewalk in this life. Not one. Because they chose to lead courageously, God said, I'm going to use you, but it's going to go against the grain a little bit because I go against the grain. That's what he says. He said, I'm not about this world. People think this. I had a conversation with some people, not necessarily from here, but they said this to me. I like doing things in our church, and this was not from someone in connection, so just please, I want, I want, I want to show you something. I think that child care is really important. But that's just not for me. That's what they said. I was saddened when I heard this, by the way. I said, oh, man. Oh, man, you're missing it. Oh, you're missing it. They said that. When our pastor asked me to do something, I'm kind of like, well, if it's something that I like to do, I'm okay with that. Now, me being a pastor, I'm understanding kind of why this person is being asked this is kind of to stretch them, get them to move a little bit, experience God more, live more courageously. That connection, we have jobs like popping popcorn, greeting people, washing windows, washing bathrooms, cleaning the floors, vacuuming. You know how much I like to do dishes? This much. This much out of a thousand. This This much. Have you ever seen the old movie? The old, huh, it's old, it's old, no, it's old now. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Have you ever seen this? You ever seen this movie? Remember how they do the dishes? They're up on top of the house and they have the, gla- the glass plates and, and the one sitting beside with the shotgun, he says, pull, and he throws it and he goes, Psh, and breaks the, he goes, the dishes are done, dude. I hate dishes. I think they should all be paper and should all burn them. Or, or somehow we, we have this, this, this wash that we just kind of like, Put it in the machine. I know we have dishwashers, but I'm talking like something that you just swipe it through and it's clean. I'm just not a fan. And sometimes when I would be challenged to do something, I'd be like, oh, see, this happens because because I live at home with a wife. And if you see her, you should seriously shake her hand, thank her. She's put up with me for 12 years. Okay, that's wild. I don't know why. I'm just glad she said yes. She's not in here. She's helping with kids. I can't believe she said yes. I can't believe I get to walk through this life with her. But I do the dishes sometimes. Yuck. I hate dishes. But you know what that shows her? It says, man, he loves me enough to do that, to show that he loves me, to do something that he not doesn't necessarily just show up on his top ten list when he wakes up in the morning. This past week, I, wanted, I couldn't wait to get to church this morning. <laughs> I really couldn't. And I know some of you read my, if you read my Twitter or you read my, my Facebook, and you think, man, this guy, all he does is just, he's just spastic on Sunday and Saturday about church. Listen, I'm telling you, I do some studying at home, or I'll go re-go over my sermon, and I cannot wait to tell you this story whenever you get here. You have to understand how much I love you. But you also have to understand how much God loves us so much more than I do. And he says, I'm calling you to live courageously, so I want you to listen to this. This is, in, this is my contrast story to somebody that said some of those things are not that important. And again, it's not anybody from Connection. Don't go home. Please do not blow up social media. Well, Matt said I didn't do it. I didn't say that. 
If you have that problem, the Holy Spirit's probably talking to you about doing something, so come and talk to me and we can plug you in somewhere. Some of you didn't find the comedy in that. Okay. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. If I can make it through this story. They were sitting in a chair this past week and my wife was reading to them. I was close by, so I was interested in what... They started reading... Some of the stories I just kind of... Some, this, one, this one just captured my attention. I was close by and I heard the story. It was a story about two young Jewish children. I believe the title of the book is Escape from Egypt. And Emma was given this book as a reading thing for the summer. Mary was helping her read it. The two young Jewish children, and it takes place while they were in slavery to the Egyptians in ancient Egypt. They were in slavery, and finally they got to follow Moses to the Red Sea. And they got to see what God did in parting the water for the Israelites. I'm a teacher. I taught kids, and I'm thinking, man, they're not going to understand this. This is going to go over their head. They don't understand things like, try to explain to a four or six-year-old, all of the plagues that were sent on Egypt. Especially the last one. If you don't know what the plagues are, it can be an assignment. Go back and check that out. I thought, no way, they can't, they can't get this. Moses' warnings to Pharaoh, the destruction, the death of the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. How in the world? They're going to have nightmares for days. And I listened to Mary read to them, And I listened to my children's questions. I was amazed. At one point, Mary stopped reading to ask some questions. And she said, what happened in the last plague? I'm over here going, oh no. If you know what the last plague was, it was the angel of death with all the firstborn that were killed in Egypt unless you put the blood over your doorway. I'm thinking, holy cow, this is nightmare central. She's going to be up with our children for the next month. She asked this question, what happened in the last plague? My jaw hit the floor when I heard them simultaneously almost finish each other's sentences and they said they had to put the blood of the lamb on the doorway and the angel of death would pass over them. And Pharaoh didn't listen. And even his oldest son died. Later on, after I had a little praise and worship session alone with God, after I heard that, and later on I asked my, my oldest daughter, Em, I said, Em, aren't you glad we don't have to put blood on our doorway? Trying to get her comprehension, see what see what she thought about that, and she replied, "This, yeah, Dad, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins. We don't have to use animals anymore." She's six, <laughs> and if you don't think that putting into children, let me tell you something. If you're listening to me and you have children back there, I want to make I want to let you understand. This is the type of stuff that they're learning. That's leading courageously. See, somebody says, oh, that's not my thing. But courageous leading is responsible for this. See, it's in our kids rock and our baby gap and our twos and threes and fours and fives and all these these classes that we have teachers that come in and they say, God loves you. Every week they say, God loves you. Man, they deal with crying and spit and poop. So if you're going to go home, the only thing you're going to get from this is that I just said that from the pulpit. It's okay. You all have kids. You all have been around kids. This is courageous teaching. This is courageous leading. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not convenient. But I can guarantee you this. Being a follower of Jesus is not easy. It's worth it. Leading courageously. The reward is great. 
If you have your book, your Bible with me, open it to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. If not, it's going to be on the screen. We read out of a little bit different translation here. It's called the New Living Translation. It's just a little bit easier to understand. I want you to, we're, going to, we're going to scoot through this. And I want you to just pick up some of this stuff. So remember my question. Moses or Joshua? Hey, we're not having a boxing match. I'm not, at the end of this day, I'm not going to say, well, absolutely, this is better than this one. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to point out one huge difference and you make up your mind, okay? Very, very first verse in chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Number one. Number one. We already see who Joshua is. If God is going to speak to him, he's a follower of him. Listen, he spoke to him. Listen. We see in, in, we see in a book earlier that God has already called Joshua to lead. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Leading like 15 or 20 wouldn't, that, wouldn't be that big of a deal to some of us. Some of us have had, as we celebrate Flag Day today, and it's, the, it's, it's, it's a holiday that we remember. Everybody flies the flags. We're proud of that because freedom's not free. Some of us have been platoon leaders. Some of us have led other people in battle, in war. 15, 20, 30, okay. Do you know the anxiety that Joshua probably went through when we're talking about the number of Israelites that he's in charge of now? It's over. It's in the millions, okay. One of the reasons Pharaoh decided to let him go was because he said in his head, he said, you know what? There's getting to be a whole lot of them, and if they retaliate, they could probably take us. There's too many of them. But the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I'm giving them. This is a promised land. Now, look at verse 3. We talked about promises last week. Look at this. I promise you what I promised Moses. Hey, how about that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Joshua probably grew up with t-shirts that had Moses on them. This guy was a big deal. He says, because you're his successor, because I've seen how faithful and how courageous you are, I'm going to give you the same promise that I gave Moses. Now we think, oh, that's good. We're going to have, you know, healthy kids. Look what it says. Look at this promise. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south, the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Can you believe this? This young man... God talks to and he says, because you're courageous, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you repeatedly, I want you to be strong and courageous and lead. But the same God, Joshua, the same God that parted the Red Sea for Moses and led all the Israelites in the Exodus out of Egypt, the same God is going to bat for you. I promise you the same promise that I have given Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Did you know what? This last line still hasn't changed. Still hasn't changed. The Israelites in these, in these first five verses, they, they, have, they are mourning Moses' death. There was a time of mourning. They were almost done. Slide in Joshua. Smooth transition. You know why? Because he mentored him. He taught him for 40 years. Do you think, you ask any one of our couples in this church, if you've been married for over 40 years, you ask them if they know their partner very well. Some of you need to, shh, I, you're, I know what you're doing. You're, I know him too well. <laughs> Listen, if you have 40 years with someone, Moses put Joshua right beside him. He was his personal aide for 40 years. He says, I'm going to teach you how to do this because later in life you're going to need to do this. I'm going to teach you how to do this so later in life you need to do this. This is the way I reacted to this situation. This is what I did in this situation. All of these things 
Joshua knew what Moses' favorite meal was. He knew what Moses' favorite time to take a nap was. He knew intimate details about him because they were very close. He had been trained, he'd been groomed, he'd been mentored, he'd been discipled, he'd been taught, and he was now getting ready to step on stage. No pressure. You got like a million people following you. In the book of Numbers in chapter 27, God has already appointed Joshua to take over. He's already appointed him as leader. We have to remember that him and Caleb, him and Caleb are people that have witnessed what God's doing. Oftentimes in this life, I've found help with this. If I needed to lead courageously, if I needed to do something courageously, you know what I did? I tried to find somebody that had already had that happen to them, or they've already led in that way, or they've already taught in that way, and I said, what did you do? And they're very quick to tell me what doesn't work. So I can just scratch off the list. Okay, that was my number one thing I was going to try. Okay, don't try that. What else you got? Joshua's resume looks flawless. Can you imagine if they interviewed for this job? There is no one else. There is no one else that comes. Well, how much experience do you have? Well, I have like two weeks. I saw Moses. Well, you know, I saw what Moses did for two weeks. Enter Joshua into the same office. So how much experience do you have? Well, I was 40 years personal aid to Moses. It's not close. It's not close. Look at verse 6. God giving him this warning says this, Be strong and courageous. You are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to underline, Be strong and courageous. Some of us need to take... Now, I've done this in my house. It's safe. If you have a mirror... In your bathroom. If you have a mirror in your bedroom. If you have a mirror, wherever you have a mirror. Some, a mirror that you go by every day. I challenge you. Take a dry erase marker. And write, be strong and courageous. You know why? Because you need reminded that just like Joshua did. Just like I do. Oh, I got them. These tests are coming up. And I'm a little bit worried. God says, listen to me. I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to give me glory when, these, when that's going to happen. I, ne- I want you to follow me. But he tells Joshua, you're going to be the one who will lead these people to the promised land. This is a big deal. This is the same land that Joshua and Caleb had spied on. And they came back. Moses said, so what do you think, guys? You know what they said? There's giants. There's huge people. They're big. And the rest of the spies said, no, no way. We can't defeat them. And Caleb and Joshua went up to Moses and they said, our God can do it. See, they had already learned that. You need to walk by that mirror and you need to see, be strong and courageous. And whatever's going on in your life and in a crowd this size, there's a lot of hurt. Lots. Recently found out this week, a very, very close friend of mine has cancer. He's my age. I'd like to take this sermon, bottle it up, and send it to him. Listen, you got to be strong and courageous. Know that God is that big. God does, He can part the Red Sea. It's the same God we serve. Same one. Different way to get to Him. Same God. Look at verse 7. Underline again the first five words. You notice he just said that, right? Be strong and very courageous. God's telling him this again. Why? He understands and he knows that Joshua's job is not going to be easy. You ever done something for God? God's called you to do something in your life and you get about, I don't know, a tenth of the way into it. You say, you know what? This is too difficult. I'm just going to quit. I'm guilty. Or God... I told you that I would do this, but all I want to do is complain. And they want to meet at this time, and that time is not convenient. God says, I want you to be strong and very courageous. Hmm. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Why? Because Moses gave him the right answers. He gave him the right applications. Why? Because Moses got those instructions from who? God. 
See, if you give people instructions that God has given you, not yourself, not your little twist on it, instructions that God has given you and passed on to someone, they're true. Look what it says. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. This is an if and then verse. Look at this next one. It says, then you will be successful in everything you do. If, if you obey all the instructions that Moses gave you, if you do not turn from them, that's a pretty straight road, huh? Anybody like to try to drive the car down that one? You know, I haven't been been there, but I saw pictures on Facebook, these roads that go around this this mountain, and there's no guardrail. And I'm thinking, of all places, wouldn't you want the guardrail there? I would like want a five-point harness on my vehicle. Okay, just attach to the top of the mountain. That way, if we slide off, we're good. Just raise us back up. Can you imagine the difficulty of maneuvering these things? I used to watch that show called Axemen when they, they would log in the, the northwest and up in Oregon, and they would take these... They would take these machines up inclines like this, and I'm thinking, whoa, I used to log. This does not make sense. This is not okay. This goes against the laws of gravity and usher in the laws of stupidity. I'm thinking, what what in the world? Obey God's law. Do not turn from them. Then, if you follow, if you do, then you will be successful in everything you do. Now, what, what kind of promise is that? God writes you a check like that, just go to the bank, okay? We talked about last week. Somebody name me, even out loud. Somebody name me a promise in the Bible that God's broken. And it was silent. Because he hasn't. I saw pictures yesterday of a double rainbow after that big storm. It's a promise again. Well, yeah, it may appear like I was going to flood Rin Lake, but actually I'm not, Okay? It's not going to be a global one. Look as he goes on. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, this one gets a little bit sharp for us. This is actually... Wasn't, it was not created to become a paperweight. It wasn't. The book of instruction that Joshua had is a little bit different than this because it lacked the New Testament. But it's still God's Word. And He says, I want my people that live courageously, that that can live courageously, you've got to dive in. You've got to dive in. Verse 9. This is my command. Uh Uh-oh. What does it say again? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A former mentor of mine talked about the book of Joshua. And in one of our meetings, he said, Matt, whenever you get to a situation in life where God has called you to lead, he goes, you, you only need to do one thing. I said, what's that? I said, How can you sum up all of this in one answer? He said, any job that God has put in your path, that you were to lead in, he said, all you got to do is this. Be the leader God created you to be. Now we think, oh, that's a sweet answer. That's easy. One answer for everything. You don't have a clue how hard and how complicated that answer is because God just told Joshua, you've got to be involved in me. You've got to understand. You've got to have a relationship with me. We have to obey God's laws. Read the instruction manual. You have one. You're looking at one. It's an instructional manual. Sometimes, this instructional manual... Anybody ever put a play set together? Swing set? My mom and dad put a a, a swing set together one time. One time. Thank the Lord they're still married. One time! The instructions were not plain. You ever put anything together like that? Oh, this would be easy. It's just a cabinet. Holy cow. You you open it up, and sometimes they give you extra parts, and you get done, you're thinking, oh, where does this go? 
The instructions are not plain. These instructions are plain. Let me tell you something. These instructions are plain, but they're hard to follow. They are. They're very hard. Because when we say, I want, God says, maybe that's not what I have for you. We don't like to hear that. If you're a little kid and you're in line at the grocery store and you get in the line, what do they do in the aisle? Ooh, yeah. I'm grabbing things. What do they grab for? Chocolate. Suckers. Something shiny. Joshua could not have done what he did without some help. Look at your next blank in your worship handout. It says, we cannot be courageous on our own. This is why God's talking to him. He said, I, look, at, look at the worship handout. We need God and his instructions. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm completely innocent of this. But sometimes, isn't it easier when we get that thing, guys? I've, I've heard the instructions to building something are often called the suggestions. Oh, they don't really know how to put it together. Oh, I got directions for, to go somewhere. Oh, that's their suggestion on how to get there. I know a better way. As you're telling your wife we're not lost off of this side underneath your seat, you're Googling maps. See, we need God and His instructions because here's the deal. This is why. In this church, in any church, this is what we often say. I do not need to go connect and fellowship with other people. That's what we say. Why? Because often those times are not convenient. Oh, man, if you check out your worship band out, there's times all during the week. If you're missing connect group, holy cow, I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what you're missing. We got into a great conversation the other night at connect group, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. At other pe- listen to other people's input. Them speaking into me. It was awesome. But sometimes you say, oh, I don't need to go. I don't need to go to church every Sunday that I can. I don't need to meet new people. I don't need to serve. But if we apply these general rules that God gave Joshua, our whole mind, this Romans 12, 2 thing, let God transform you into a new creation by changing the way that you think, You're, the way that you think about these things should change to this. I get to go and fellowship at Canaan Group. I get to go hang out with God's people. I asked Lydia this morning. Lydia is my four-year-old. I said, Lydia, what's today? She goes, I don't know. What is today? She doesn't read a calendar. She goes, what is today? I said, today's Sunday. Oh, we get to go to church. If you see that child walk in here, she doesn't walk anywhere. She bounces everywhere she goes. Should have been Lydia Tigger, maybe. I don't know. She gets here, and she talks to you people, and she loves hanging out. You know what? When it's, oftentimes, she'll be waiting. Mom, is it time to go back to class yet? Is it time to go? I want, I want to talk to my teacher. Is it time to go to class yet? She cannot wait. Oh, if I could have that attitude all the time. See, I need to learn how to pray like her. I also need to have her whole outlook on life. Where did we lose that, by the way? Remember when your kids were really young and they'd run up? I experienced it this week. I didn't like it too much. And I know it's just going to get worse. Lydia, in front of you and everybody, if she walked in the door, she'd run up here, she'd give me a hug. Emma would stop back there going, hmm, there's people looking at me. Somehow it changes. Somewhere it goes, oh, that's not... Emma was around some friends this, this week, and I was going to leave, and I gave Lydia a hug, and I said, Emma, come here and give me a hug. Oh, thanks, Dad. And uh, I was like, whoa, we don't give side hugs. Let me hold you. Let me give you a hug. And somehow... Our mindset changes and we step back and say, you know, we don't need to live completely un, just uninhibited, uninha- just, just full-blown for God because there's other people around that watch. I, oh, I've prayed this week. I said, God, teach me, please. Continue to teach me how to pray like my four-year-old and teach me how to run to you whenever anybody else is around and I want to give you a hug in front of anyone. Teach me to be that courageous. I want to show people who you are. I don't want to live ashamed. I want to live courageously. I want to lead courageously. I want to lead my family. I want to lead other people to know God more. But our mind would change to, I get to, I get to, I get to. Church is where I get refueled. 
Man, I love coming in. Some of you every single Sunday. Matt, how's your week? Well, remember, you don't ask anybody from Connection how their week was unless you have five minutes, okay? And I said, well, it hasn't been that great. Well, mine either. Okay. And they just share with me. But through their struggles, through their good times, through their bad times, I'm, I'm seeing God change these people to think like, I get to, I get to. God is in the business of changing people's lives. There's been people that have come out of the, this community and surrounding communities and have come in this, in this church. And God has placed them in people's lives in this church. And rather than saying, oh, I just want to give you a side hug, they ran like Lydia did to them and they said, we are so glad that you're here. And they felt love and they felt acceptance. And that turned into God using that person to change their life. Some of you are going to say, Matt, the only thing that you talk about is people having their lives changed by God. (laughs) Yeah. I can show you people that started meeting with me or started meeting with someone else when we were mentoring and they said, there's no way I can get over this. And now some of these things that we've hopped over, God's helped them hop over, they can literally look back and go, I can't believe I struggle with that. Now look at what I'm struggling with now. Look at this mountain that I'm trying to tackle. Look how God's teaching me to be courageous, man. They start out timid. Man, you should see some of them. They got rock climbing gear. They're like, oh, that's a big mountain. It's been in my way for a long time. But I know God, watch, I've seen God move a Red Sea in my life. I can ca- he can tackle this too. This is leading. Leading is serving. Some of us are sitting here and we're, we're, we're sad because we say, oh, I wish my life could be like that. It can be. Ah, how do you know? You don't know me. I know enough about you because you're a human to know this. If you feel stuck and you've been doing the same thing over and over, you're not going to get any better. God's calling you to do something courageous. He's calling you to do something different so that He can change your life. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Time of mourning is over. Remember? Remember when I talked about there's, there's a time to go to the pity party but no when to leave? The party's over. The party is over. It's over. They're locking the doors. We're done here. We're, we're crossing the river. But Joshua, the river's huge. They didn't say that. The river's big. The river's flooded. They didn't say that. They didn't say there's no bridge. They didn't say that. Look at verse look. Look at verse 12. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, why? why? What are these different tribes coming in? These three tribes. A little bit of background. These These three tribes talking to Moses said, we don't need to go to the promised land. We want to settle on this side. Moses said, okay, I'm going to give you this land. That's fine. But when it comes time for us to fight into the promised land and us to go over there, you go with us. Now, that's a human promise. That's human. That's not a God promise. It's a human promise. Verse 13, he says, Remember what Moses... This is Joshua talking to them. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God has given you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Verse 14, Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer the territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as He has given you rest. And until they do, possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land of Moses, the servant of the Lord assigned to you. A courageous leader. A courageous leader, somebody living courageously, calls for the honoring of a promise. Now what? I'm not talking about a a human promise here. 
I had mentors that spoke into me and they said, whoa, time out, out. time out, what are you doing here? This, This can't happen because I was with you. I'm holding you accountable to this promise you made to God. You see the difference? God says, I want you to be courageous. Imagine that. They've been, they've been resting all this time in, the, in that land. They, oh, okay. This is, a human, this is a human promise. A human one. Look at verse 15, though. Or 16. They answered Joshua, Whoa, look at this. We will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. Why? Because God had given them rest. These people know what God can do. They were tired. They wanted land. God gave them land. Now they were honoring their end of the deal. Look at verse 17. He goes on further. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So, look again. This comes from humans. Where have they heard this before? Your kids repeat what you say at home? We don't have to get into this. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. You ever have one of your kids come in and say, shut up. And they don't know what it means. They just heard you say it. So be strong and courageous is something that they have heard before. I would imagine in the 40 years that Moses stood beside Joshua, he said, there's going to be times where you're going to need to be strong. You're, you're going to be, need to be smart. You're going to need to ask God what you're going to do. You're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to do things. You're going to have to step out and take that first step, and you may not even see the staircase. You're going to have to be strong. This wasn't something they just made up. So be strong and courageous. They're encouraging Joshua. Hmm. This phrase we hear so much in the first part of Joshua may have even been something they had to repeat to themselves. This is why I'm going to ask you. I want you to go home and I want you to write on your mirror, be strong and courageous. You have an addiction that you fight with every day or many times during a day and you want to go back to it? God says this, I want you to be strong and courageous. Know that I can part the Red Sea. Your thing is nothing to me. We just go through it. Just trust me. Meditate on me. Let me marinate through you. Let me run your life. Let me get into your life. Do you think this group... Now, we, we, we see be strong and courageous. I think oftentimes we say, oh, well, you're talking about Joshua? Listen, Joshua's an Israelite. Be strong and courageous. Can you imagine how many times their ancestors, while in captivity in Egypt, they're in slavery? But I thought we were God's people. We're in slavery. What's wrong? Be strong and courageous. God is who He says He is. Remember, remember, God, Moses said that God is who He says He is. I'm in slavery. It's not helping. And the years, and the years, and the years, and the years, and they keep saying, God, you're our, we're your chosen people, and we're in slavery. I can imagine. They may have songs about this. Be strong and courageous. Remember what God can do. Remember. When the tunnel gets dark, remember. We have all the light we need. We have all the light we need. Are we being the person that God has created us to be? Or are we doing what we want? Look at your worship handout. Look at this. God calls us to lead, serve, and follow. These men understood the leadership of God in their life. God is calling us to let Him lead our lives. I know that's a lot of blanks. Listen, maybe, maybe we need to put, maybe be strong and courageous. Let God lead my life. Maybe we need to see it. Maybe you need to record it on a, on a digital MP3 thing, put it on your stereo, and just on your way to work. Maybe you need to read the first chapter of Joshua, record yourself reading it. Hey, plug in your phone. Plug in your, your Holy Bible app. Push audio. Listen to it. Read, let, let it read to you. First chapter of Joshua. We need to hear, be strong and courageous. But God, it's too hard. Be strong and courageous. I created you to do so much. But God, I'm not in the limelight. That's not why I created you. I created you to be strong. I created you to be courageous. See, Joshua understood leadership because he had been taught. He had been taught. We can see in this story, right here in this scripture, 
that after Moses died, the preparation of the new leader was in place. This, this transition of leadership was seamless. Oh yeah, there's people that get their feathers ruffled and everything else. But listen, seamless. Why did Joshua ease into this role so easy? Because he knew how Moses did it. He said, hey, you know, Moses is doing a couple things right, but maybe I could just slightly get this, and it would appeal to other, these other people that he, he, couldn't, he couldn't reach. That's exactly how he did. He just made it his own. But he just came right into it. Why? Because it had been prepared for him. Now we leave Joshua right here. But if you haven't heard anything that I'm here that, that, that I've said today, I, I, I desperately, desperately, desperately need all everybody, everybody to listen to this. Now I told you, who's the better leader, Moses or Joshua? Now I want to tell you something. I just discovered this. Oh, you're a pastor, not a biblical scholar? No, sorry. I'm not. I don't know it all. That's why I have to bring my Bible. That's what my dad used to say. I don't know it all, so I have to bring my Bible and look. This is what I found out this week. And I studied it. Then I found the backup with Scripture. Seamless moving from Joshua into the role of Moses, the leader. Seamless. No problem. Leader led them into the promised land. They conquered the promised land. They lived there. It was bountiful. Now watch. Nowhere. Nowhere is it found that Joshua had an aid like he was with Moses. Nowhere. It's not recorded. Moses had Joshua for 40 years. Joshua is not recorded to ever have had one. He had no one to pass it on to. Nowhere does it talk about Joshua putting into the other lives like Moses did. Nowhere. Listen, we think, we, people come and talk to me about connection. Watch this. There's a person from another church that talked to me yesterday and said, you know, I've heard a lot about this mentoring process. I would like to learn from you so I could start it in my church. You know what I, t- I said? Oh, get lost. That's our thing. Heck no. I said, can you meet with me sometime this week? I will go over it. I will show you what we do. And I said, I want to meet with you a little bit. Maybe I need to take you through a first book. And I said, can you imagine? I, I got excited. I said, can you imagine? If multiple churches start doing this, we all have the same jersey on. We're all worshiping the same God. Can you imagine if more people, and he got excited too, and we had to calm down because we were around other people that weren't excited. <laughs> I said, I'm so excited, man. I can't wait to meet with you. But nowhere, nowhere, nowhere does it talk about Joshua mentoring and putting into the other people. It stopped. I wrote this. After, after I read this and I studied this, I wrote in my own words. This is absolutely amazingly sad. It stopped. Here's the deal. You want to be a courageous leader, don't let it stop. If you want to be a courageous leader and you want to have kids that grow up, man, I am so pumped. I pray for our teachers. Mary and I, Mary and I get to experience what our kids are learning. We, we did, we did that. Mary read that story, and I said, "There's no way they're going to understand the angel of death. There's no way they're going to understand salvation, and they don't maybe not need to." All of a sudden, Lydia's talking about rubbing paint over our doorway, and I said, "No, not at our house." She gets it. I said, "We don't need that because Jesus." And all of a sudden, Emma comes in with this story. Said, "No, we don't need to sacrifice animals anymore because God sent His Son as the Lamb." They used the blood of the lamb. We got the lamb. Six. This is why it's important. We can't, I had people put into my life. 30 years ago, I had teachers that poured into my life. Five years ago, I had teachers that poured into my life. Last week, I had people pour into my life. Why? Because I'm not going to keep it all. I want to have more to spill out on other people. God says, if you want to be courageous, don't let it stop. Now, I took the time to copy and paste in my notes so you don't have to turn there. But I want you to listen to something very, very sad. 
In Judges 2, 8 and 10, it says this. Joshua, son of Nun, same guy. The servant of the Lord, the leader, died at the age of 110. Wow. The accomplishments. The accomplishments, the promised land. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. It means they died. The whole generation that went across in the promised land, they have died. The gener- Man, the generation. Back then, it was probably called the greatest generation. That took the promised land. They were all dead. And it says, after them, another generation rose up. Who did not know the Lord or the works He had done for Israel. They knew none of the stories. They knew none of the Red Sea crossing. They knew none of the spies sent to see the land of giants that were in the promised land. That God says, I can take care of that. None. And I, I was really into this. I spent a lot of time when I got to this part. I said, there's no way. It's not in there. There's no way Joshua didn't tell anybody. It's not in there. If you want the legacy to end with you, just don't do anything. If you have the desire, because God has given it to you, to put those fingerprints on those children so that their lives later can reach and impact others and impact others and impact others, be Moses. Now, I'm not saying that Moses is better than Joshua, but you can see that one mentored and his, ment- and his mentee, the guy that he mentored, took led millions into the promised land. And when this guy that did that didn't do anything, it said the, ne- the very next generation just fell away from God. You decide for yourself which one works. I read, I read this quote, and I wanted to put this in here. It says this, The greatest obligation of a true leader, you can change that if you want, true follower of Christ. The greatest obligation of a true follower of Christ is to transfer a deposit into the next generation. Saving money is important. You know what's more important? Giving the lessons that you have to other people. Courageously. Oh, some of them, you know, why is it courageously? Because some of the time that I'm mentoring with someone, I have to be pretty, pretty see-through. I say, you know, I struggle with this. Wow. I don't like to hear, wow. I said, but God but God. So the greatest obligation of a true follower of Christ is to transfer a deposit into the next generation. The worst mistake a leader can make is to mentor no one, choose no successor, and leave no legacy. The legacy is not about us personally. It's about how good God is. See, there's things that my, even my grandparents taught me, and they're gone. I have one left. That's it that my grandparents taught me at a very young age that I still can recall because they said, oh, <laughs> one of these days I'm going to be gone, but you really need to know this. And they would share with me and they would teach me and they would show me. And I had people in my life come up to me and say, Matt, you're going to need to know this. Whenever you get to that situation in your life, be the leader God has called you to be and be strong. Be courageous. Here's the upside. Oh, this is, this is, this is so sad. It, it just died out. Here's the upside. It's not too late. If you're still taking oxygen in and out of your body, if blood is still being pumped around your body, it is not too late. Start today. Start right now. Talk with God. Say, God, I want to be that leader you created. I don't care if you're 85 years old. God, for the rest of my life, I'm going to give you everything I can. I'm going to give everything that I can to you. I'm going to leave that legacy. I'm going to do it courageously. I'm going to live the rest of my life. I don't care if you're 14, 13, 12, 88. I don't care. Whatever breath we have left, choose to be involved and to be courageous. Be the leader that God has called you to be. Dry erase marker on a mirror. Be strong and courageous. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story. (laughs) Thank you so much for this truth. 
so much for these superheroes of the Bible we can look at. And God, we think, oh, wow, everything is great. God, we've seen the leadership and the legacy of two different men today out of your word. One left a legacy that would live on if he passed it on, but it didn't happen. God, when we're faced with the ability, with the option, with the opportunity, let us choose to lead courageously in our house, at our church, in our job. We were meant to be courageous. In your name we pray. Amen.